open. Let's go to Romans chapter 14. How many of you ready for the holiday season to begin? Uh, it just doesn't seem right. I, there should be another week. Uh, I know Thanksgiving comes early, and, and I'm not using the word holiday to advert Christmas. I'm just including Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And um, it, it, uh, it comes early this year, but wow, it just seems, it still feels like October to me for some reason or another. I don't know why, but uh, we uh, praise the Lord uh, that he has brought us thus far. And if you like a title for this morning's message, it's basically how to enjoy the holiday season. And uh, Romans chapter 14 And one of the reasons why I do this is we have quite a bit of diversity even in our own church and, of course, in our sitting. Um, We have all kinds of things going on. And uh, if you don't have a holiday, they'll make one up for you. Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, uh, unbelievable all the things that happen at this time of year. And uh, we've had people... Uh, actually leave the church here because I mentioned the word Christmas in a service. They said, that's an evil, secular holiday, on and on and on and on. And and then we've had other people stop attending here because we didn't put a Christmas tree on the the platform and have Santa Claus march down the aisle. And, And I mean, excuse me, but that's ridiculous. Uh, I, I think... We're just wound a little too tight. How about you? Uh, we, we need to... God wants us to enjoy life. And you shouldn't have to spend the rest of the year paying off your enjoyment at Christmas time. Amen? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. And one of the th- passages that actually deals with this subject here on how we're to uh, get along and enjoy. There was a church in the city of Rome, and by the way, Peter didn't start it. Uh, The best we can tell is there was some uh, Jewish and non-Jewish believers who were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Read Acts chapter 2. Now, what would have been the natural thing for them to do when they went back to Rome after hearing Peter preach the gospel. Start church. Amen? And uh, that's how the church in Rome got started. And Paul was writing the letter. And here in chapter 14, he is starting the process as he usually does. He's already dealt with the major issues. and, And now he's just lining up lots of secondary things. And that doesn't mean they're... Uh, secondary in importance, but it doesn't take as much time to deal with them. And we come down here, we're going to start reading in verse 4 of Romans chapter 14. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. 
He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether there we therefore Sorry, whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. I don't know about you, but I want to enjoy the holiday season. How about you? Thanksgiving is a special day. But we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I, I want you to realize that the holidays that we are celebrating are not necessarily, are not intrinsically religious holidays. Maybe we'll do a little myth-busting in the introduction here. Jesus was not born on December 25th. I'm sorry if you really, uh, if that has saddened you today, we'll we'll give you counseling afterwards. But it just didn't happen then. Uh, The wise men didn't show up at the manger scene. That was about two years later. Uh, there weren't three of them. Uh, three guys riding camels into Jerusalem would not upset the whole city. Uh, how many shepherds came? Nobody knows. Uh, but the sacrificial flocks were probably in the number of about 140,000 or so sheep. So figure out how many guys it would take care, take care, need to take care of 100,000 sheep. Uh, the manger in Bethlehem was a busy place that night. Uh, it wasn't three or four guys showing up. It was probably two or three hundred showing up. The angels didn't just appear to one or two guys. And, and the stories that are in the Bible are real. The holidays are times that our society, our culture has set aside. In, in the Bible, there was a celebration for New Year's, the Jewish people still celebrate it. Their calendar, New Year's, comes right uh, late September, early October is when their year begins. And uh, But would it hurt you to take a little time and contemplate what God has done in the past year and what you want Him to do in the beginning of the new year? Uh, no, that won't hurt you a bit. You see... Rule number one, as set forth in the scriptures, stop worrying about everybody else. The television, how many of you sick of campaign ads? Am I the only one? I don't even have a TV. Uh, But I'm still sick of campaign ads. And, uh, but what are the TV waves, uh, the airwaves full of, of now? Well, they've actually moved Black Friday to Thanksgiving Day now at certain stores. I was just listening to a few news clips this morning to kind of keep track of how things are going on in the Middle East. And I found out that it was so important that they didn't say a thing about what's going on in Gaza Strip and in Jerusalem this morning. One sentence and, and several paragraphs about the people who are already camped out at Best Buy. 
I'll tell you what, I almost had to find a bucket. It was a good thing breakfast hadn't been served yet. Uh, I'll tell you, that kind of stuff just bothers me. I hope it bothers you a little bit too. But when it comes to your spiritual relationship with God and my spiritual relationship with God, we are Baptist. And I noticed no one even batted an eye when I said that. But the simple truth of that means we believe in what we call the priesthood of the believer. Now, Baptists historically are the only people who have held that doctrine. And what that simply means is you are individually responsible directly to God for your spiritual relationship with Him. Almost every religious organization has some type of hierarchy built into it. One of the things that I've often asked people, they say, well, well, you've got to confess your sins to the church. Did the church die on the cross? Okay, let's just give this that you confess your sins to your religious leader. Who does he confess his sins to? Well, it goes right up the, the level. Oh, well, let's get to the end of the road here. Okay, uh, you are a cardinal and you confess your sins to the Pope. Who does the Pope confess his sins to? Well, one of the other cardinals will do that. We still end up with sinful man going to sinful man trying to get rid of his sins. Doesn't work. Sinful man must come to a sinless God to get rid of sin. Amen? And if that be the case, we need to sing that song again. We did in Sunday school this morning. He's still working on me. You know what? It might not look like much. But if God's doing the work, that's what makes it important. Amen? Now, let's not go to the extreme. When we, please don't misunderstand. If you know someone who's a member of the church that's occasioning bars and going to the nightclubs on Saturday night and showing up on church, now see, I don't know that because where am I on Saturday night? Uh, once it gets a certain point, I'm in bed, all right? Uh, I want to be well-rested for Sunday morning. And, uh, and before that, I'm usually in my study and I'm working on things and we're printing bulletins and writing out the checks and doing all the, all, all the things that it takes to prepare for the service. We're not talking about okaying sin in other people's lives. What we're talking about is when someone differs a little from you, well, pastor's wearing a really weird tie today. I don't like that. 
I've been in churches where if you didn't wear a white shirt and a red tie, a solid tie, uh, they didn't allow you into the pulpit. I even know one church that if you have wireframe glasses, that they wouldn't let you preach in the pulpit. You say, where'd that come from? Uh, it came from men judging other men. Now, if I showed up here in uh, motorcycle pants and studs all over the place and chains draped around and, and uh, had one of those uh, helmets with the spike coming out the top and the ponytail hanging off the back, I hope that the men of this church would not let me walk into the pulpit like that. I would pray that I have given them enough sense and instruction over the years that they would say, Pastor, we're just going to... You've often said the lock on your office door works both ways. We're going to just lock you in there this morning uh, until this thing straightens out because that's not what we want in our church. Now, I pray that you'll never have to worry about that. Amen? But what we are talking about is we often try to judge our spirituality by looking at other people in the church. And you know what's going to happen when you start doing that? You're going to let somebody else steal your joy. And that's not what God wants us to have happen. If you're of the persuasion that your Christmas tree is a bale bush and that uh, all of those things, the lights represent evil demons. And I mean, people go crazy over this stuff. I'll, I'll definitely be able to answer your questions. But you know what? If you've got your heart made up, I can't, I can't convince you otherwise. But... Let me me tell you something. There's nothing evil about a Christmas tree. But we're not going to have one on the platform. Because that's a secular holiday. And we want to enjoy our time together. We got to keep Christ at the center. Amen? Now, if you want to have one of those things in your house, and by the way, in case you're wondering, we usually do have a Christmas tree. And they string popcorn and cranberries and we put lights on it. And, but we don't bow down and worship the thing. We have fun. We make memories for the family. How many of you have some wonderful memories when you were a child around the Thanksgiving and Christmas, New Year's. Give your family something like that. And if you don't have a family, I'll tell you what. We've got lots of people around here that don't have a family. Adopt somebody. Now, don't try to be their mother. Don't try to be the dad they never had. How about just brothers and sisters in Christ? Amen? You see, when you take your attention off of your 
relationship with God and put it on somebody else. You give the authority of your life and your joy to the person you're comparing yourself with. Now, some people, they've got this thing down pat. They go walking up and down the streets until they find one of those homeless guys sitting out there and say, I'll compare myself to him. It's got to be better than that. That's so foolish. But it's so foolish to compare yourself to any other human being. Aren't you glad God made us different? And yet we're all the same. My blood type is O positive. I am the universal donor. Anybody can take O positive blood. No matter what continent you came from, if you're a human being, you can have, uh, the blood will work, amen? And the simple truth of the matter is, here is the hardest word during the Christmas holiday season. Are you ready? Contentment. Every ad on the airwaves is to make you discontented with what you have. So that you'll camp out six days ahead of time to buy something at Best Buy. By the way, is anybody, not to, not to rank on Best Buy, but has anybody ever gotten a Best Buy at Best Buy? I just, I've been in the store a couple of times. In fact, one time we were in need of a, of a DVD player, a cheap DVD player for our sound booth. We had a missionary coming in, and, and, and so I went there, and, and I got one, one to Best Buy. But it was there, and we got it, and it worked. And a couple of weeks later, it broke. <laughs> so what? But contentment... Could I challenge you as a choice that you must make in your own heart? Why do we have so much immorality in our world today? Because men and women refuse to make a choice of contentment. Could we say that? I think that would cover about everything. Why do we have so much debt in our society today? Because people refuse to make a choice for contentment. Here's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He said, whatever state I'm in, whether I'm abounding and have everything that I need, or I'm in a state of total want... You know, Paul learned to be content in a prison cell. He wrote this to the Philippian church. How many of you remember what happened in the Philippian prison as Paul and Silas were in there? It says they sang hymns to God about midnight. And they weren't singing uh, sad songs. 
Because you can't sing a sad song when you praise God. You ever thought about that? When you sing a song to God, and God looked down in that prison and He saw Paul and Silas there, and He accepted their worship, and He set them free. Now, God doesn't have to shake your house apart to set you free. But sometimes he's got to shake your soul up a little bit. Amen? Because the chains that we bind ourselves with in our own mind and heart are just as real as the ones that are forged from hardened steel. And they hinder us and they keep us. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Could you be content with Jesus today? I trust, I, I want to challenge you, if you can't be content with Jesus, you'll never be content no matter how many stations are on your remote control. If you can't be content with Jesus, it won't matter how much money is in the bank. It won't matter how many people fall down on their knees and say, I love you, I adore you. That doesn't happen in real life. And you wouldn't want it to, would you? You see, we've got to stop worrying. And when I mean stop worrying, it says, who art thou that judgest thy brother? Stop trying to figure out who's having more fun than you are and what you can do to hinder their enjoyment. Have you ever wondered what's going to happen when they finally tax all the rich people out there? But let me tell you what's going to happen. Everybody gets poor. That's what happens. It's not going to embetter you. You're not going to see any of that money. Somebody said if we took the top 1% that they're all complaining about and took every penny and disposed of their entire wealth, we could run the United States government for about seven minutes. Now, I don't know how true that statistic is. Maybe it's eight or nine. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but it wouldn't do very much good. What happened to rejoicing with those that rejoice? Mourning with those that mourn? If somebody has the ability to get something brand new, praise the Lord. Amen. And if somebody has to learn how to be content with what they have, guess what? Praise the Lord. Because money can't buy contentment. You see, you ever wonder why life isn't fair? It's so you'll take your eyes off of others and put them on Jesus. That's what it's all about. You see, the next verse here says in, in verse 5... One man esteemeth one day above another, and another esteemeth every day alike. 
Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You know something? You can only eat so much food. How many found that out the hard way? You want me to tell you how you can find out the hard way? It's that little needle just starts going like this. Up and up on the scale. Uh, You can only eat so much food. But if you're thankful to God and enjoying what God has given you, it doesn't matter now, does it? You see, the next verse says, if you regard the day, you regard it to the Lord. It's taken for granted that the central focus of what you are doing is God. That's that's understood because he's writing to the church at Rome. It is not a time. Well, I know preacher says that no Christian ought to drink alcoholic beverage, but one day a year won't hurt. Yeah, it will. Yes, it will. You don't need a break from your relationship with God. It's not a time just to let your hair down and do crazy things. Unless that's playing Scrabble or just enjoying time with other believers in Christ, with your family. And by the way, if you have unsafe family, why should you be the only sourpuss in the crowd? What kind of testimony is that? Hey, I don't need spirits out of a bottle to rejoice in the spirit. Amen? I don't need all of these things. You see, you must be fully persuaded in your own mind that God has given us life to enjoy. And whether you choose to celebrate that day or whether you're one of those people who are striving for a flat line, every day is the same. I don't know how you get there, but, uh, and I'm really not worried about it. If If you're fully persuaded that that's where you're going, God bless you. If you're going to enjoy certain days and and make certain days very special, just make sure God is at the center. And by the way, do we do well to argue with the world when they secularize these holidays? You know, I, I I get a little weary. I know that the atheists of America are out there to take away every manger scene that was ever made. So why would I argue with the Catholic Church if they want to put up a manger scene? I'm just not going there. I I rejoice every one that's put up because every time they put one up, they remind somebody that a Savior was born. Amen? And... It's still called Thanksgiving Day in spite of the turkey and the football. Amen? And I'll tell you where my Thanksgiving goes. It goes to the God of heaven. Alone. Because he is good. Amen?
And New Year's, every New Year's Eve, we tried to get together as a church. And no one has ever woke up the next morning with a headache. Now, if you ate too many chips and dip, you might have woke up with a sour stomach, but that's your fault, not mine. Amen? I mean, we try to get together and rejoice in the Lord. You see, look at verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord, and whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. If there's anything I want for the holiday season, it's that right there. I want the joy of the Lord in my life, and I want to influence others. I'll tell you, we've had an awful lot to discourage us the last several months. But you know what? God's still in charge. And it's time to make sure that all the reasons the election went the way it did are not on the top of your holiday wish list. Amen? That all of the things that are going on in this world are, are not at, at the foremost in your mind because what happens is when we take our minds off of God and His person and our relationship with Him, guess what suffers? Our relationship with God. And if Paul can have joy and contentment in a prison cell... Why can't we have joy and contentment in the greatest city on the face of the earth, which is New York? There's not a city that compares to this place. So what should we do? We need to be fully persuaded that it's okay to rejoice in the Lord. I got scripture to back up on that. And I was thinking, Christmas songs, already. Our piano players, are they getting ready? Okay, we got to make them work. You know, the most difficult songs to play in the hymnal are the Christmas songs. And so, we, we got to get, get our piano players working on all those things. And, but I'll tell you what, I love going, walking down the street, and hearing a real Christmas carol. I sing the words out loud right along with them. See, people will think you're crazy. Well, anybody that knows me knows I've been there for a long time. I'm not worried about that. I'm going to enjoy the season. Even though Jesus wasn't born on Christmas Day. I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness. Because I don't live to myself. How many of you have met a Jehovah's Witness during the holiday season? They are the saddest, most dour people on the face of the earth. In fact, it was really funny. A person was giving me a testimony. 
uh, I don't feel at liberty to give the name, nobody that attends our church, but had given me testimony, he said, yeah, my, my parents have been Jehovah's Witness all their lives, I'm a Christian, in fact, he, he, uh, the young man in question here is a Baptist preacher, and he says, they won't send me any presents, but they sure get upset if I don't send them some presents. I'll tell you what, because they don't believe in celebrating holidays. Let me tell you something. Don't, don't adapt that attitude. Enjoy what God's given us to enjoy. You don't have to get adapted with the commercialism. And by the way, one of the worst things you can do for your children or for the little ones at Christmas time is get them 4,000 gazillion gifts. Get them a couple of little things. Teach them contentment. It's got to be learned. You don't need a great deal of money to be content. Somebody said, but preacher, it sure helps, doesn't it? No. I think it really hinders the process. Because we need to encourage one another. This needs to be a safe haven for you to come in and leave all the I want to, want to, want to, want to, want at the door. Amen? And all the pressures of I got to get the right gift. Don't put that pressure on somebody. Exercise contentment. He said, but, but pastor, if I did that, then nobody would get me anything and I'd be all sad. Well, wait a minute. Let's get back to what is contentment? That means you'd be okay no matter what. Because you know what I have? As a believer in Jesus Christ, I have the promise of his presence. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What more could I want? Lots of things. Do we need to go back to the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, in modern English, the word want means a little differently than it does there. I shall not want. But if you use the modern understanding, you're not too far off the track. When it says, I shall not want, it's I shall not lack anything I need. You know what? God will supply you what you need. You say, well, he's not very, doing a very good job right now. I've got some needs. Well, you better check your need list. Because he's promised to supply. How many of you know the verse, familiar with the verse, it's more blessed to give than to receive? You know, that's probably one of the most misunderstood verses in the whole Bible. Because people look at it and they say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so I give presents on Christmas and I don't worry about getting any. That's not what that verse says. It's more blessed to give because that means God gave you something to give. Without having to use Visa and MasterCard. 
Because the greatest gifts... What is the greatest gift you could give another human being? Is to love them. Now, this is tough. How many of you believe you're lovable? Oh, good. I didn't see any hands go up. I was going to go on. I'm going to get somebody. I don't want to embarrass anyone. You know what? We're not very lovable. As human beings. But God allows us to love each other. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I don't understand why my wife puts up with me, but I'm sure glad she does. Sometimes I stop and I think, why do people come to church for 20 years to listen to me yell at them for Sunday morning? Well, it's not because you're coming about me. It's because we love the Word of God. And because what we're going to do is we're going to get the Word of God. And what we need to understand is that we don't live to ourselves. We live to the Lord. And that ought to make us an influence on the people around us. You know, if you have unsafe family and they're doing all the things the world does, they're watching. It's amazing the things that I have heard. Well, you, you, you guys are, are happy. Yeah. Because we're learning about contentment. And when you can be content, it doesn't matter what you have. Because it changes who you are. The greatest gift you can give somebody is to love them. Just to care about them as a human being. Tell you what, there's very powerful little of that going on in our world today. It's dangerous to really care about somebody else now, isn't it? You might get hurt. Uh, But if I'm walking with the Lord and I'm not living for myself, I'll give the hurt to God and He'll help me deal with it. Amen? You see, if I'm going to enjoy the holiday season, I got to make sure that I'm not going to only enjoy it if somebody gets me the right gift. Because if all of my affection is set on this thing, how in the world do I have anything left over to give to somebody else? If my holiday season is dependent upon what happens at somebody else's house, That's ridiculous. I won't have anything left over to make sure something good happens at my house. My attention has got to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not do God a favor by showing up on Christmas Sunday. Now, we're glad that people come on Christmas Sunday. 
and try to make sure that of any Sunday of the year, I preach a good, strong gospel message. Because that's the only time they're going to get it. But you know what? The people that come every week, they got the gospel. We need to be encouraged in how to live that gospel in the world in which we live. You know, sometimes Christmas is a little dark for some people. Because they remember things that ought to have been fixed and wrong things that were done. And There's only one cure for that. You got to get your eyes back on Jesus. Stop judging those people that hurt you or that didn't measure up or yourself for what you did or didn't do. God is able to forgive your sins. It says He will make you stand if you want to serve Him with your life. Amen? Be fully persuaded. Read through the book of Nehemiah. I mean, we don't have time this morning, but you talk about people that had reason to be sad. They were rebuilding the temple that Brother Franz talked about being destroyed in Sunday school. But you know what? Nehemiah and Ezra gave this message. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you have the joy of the Lord, you can be fully persuaded in your own mind whether you celebrate the holiday or do not. But you can remember you live for others. And you ought to reflect the goodness of God in what you do. And if you don't, fix it. Amen? Say, I I grew up in the world. I don't even know how to have a good time. Well, open up the Bible. One of the greatest things you can do is just spend time with somebody. You know, Job's three friends did a real good job the first seven days. You know why? Because they didn't say a word. You ever tried to have a conversation with a two-year-old? Doesn't do a lot of good. But you know what they like? Like to sit on daddy's lap. Make some time for that. Make some time just to be with somebody else. And if you're really in a desperate situation, you have nobody to be with, see, see me after church. We'll make, we'll make something. We'll, we'll make some provision, whatever we can do. But we are somewhat, we can be limited in, as human beings in what we can do. But if you've already determined you're going to be sad and miserable, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to waste my whole holiday season trying to talk you out of it. I'm just going to let you be sad and miserable. Because it's time for you to get right with God and then you don't have to be that way. Is that too harsh? I know I'm the meanest preacher in the world, but uh, 
It's time that we grow up a little bit and start realizing my joy doesn't depend on what somebody else does for me because God's already done it all. And so it's time for me to take what He's given me and try to touch someone else with it. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, my prayer is that truly we would stop worrying about other people and what they have or don't have. That we would stop worrying about all the differences that there are. And that we would understand that you've given us a personal relationship with you. And Lord, that we would make these next several weeks truly count for God. Lord, that we would learn to live with you as the focus of the day, of our joy, of our celebration, or of our lack of celebration. That we would be able to rejoice together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we would look past the frills and the frizzles of this world and keep our eyes on Jesus. Lord, that we would learn contentment without a tearful eye and a quivering lip. That we would learn contentment in the joy of the Lord. Help us, Lord. Let each one of us live unto you and have a testimony of your goodness in these coming days. Give us an opportunity to tell a friend or family member about Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Have Brother Franz come and lead us. Three hundred.